Amen. As they are finishing this up, would you please open your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel. And as you're finding 1 Samuel, I want to read you some cards. Ten Mile Baptist Church. Thank you for your participation in BCHFS Fall Festival. We are so grateful to you for your service, support, and prayer over the ministry of the Baptist Children's Home and Family Services. It was a wonderful day. The second card this morning I'd like to read to you is we are so blessed to have such a wonderful church family. These these past few months have been a roller coaster. But we are so thankful to God and all the prayers, cards, text, food that you all have done for us. Through Val having COVID so bad, the loss of my brother-in-law, and the loss of my nephew. Thank you again for everything. That is from Val and Jeanette Gass. And I want to thank those who went to the Ronald McDonald House this week and served meals for those families. And so it's always important for you to remember that what we do here on Sunday is so important, but there is so much else that goes on in being a church. And so, uh, as you're finding 1 Samuel 21, we are still continuing our sermon series on overcoming personal attacks. And we're in part 7. And we've been looking at things like God prepares His people and that God is with His people. We've been looking at things like God will provide for His people. God's love shines through His people. And how God works in each and every one of our lives. And then two weeks ago, how God is faithful. But today I want to talk to you about something that I think most of us refuse to talk about. We refuse to address it. Um, It's the lowest moments of our life. Now I could have used the hardest moments of our life, the most difficult moments of our life, but when you think about David's life, it seems like it was up and down. Great mountaintops and great valleys. And today if you're honest and I'm honest, our life is that way too. We go through good times in our marriages and we go through valleys in our marriages. We go through good times at work and we go through valleys at work. We go through good times as churches and the valleys as a church. But today I want to show you that the title of this week is that God provides in our lowest moments. So many times we think that when we're in the valley that God has abandoned us, that God has forsaken us. And you've probably seen that in the scriptures. People have questioned the why and the how. But this morning I want to show you that when things are at their worst, when it seems things seem to be at a point where they cannot get any worse, when the personal attacks against your reputation, the the difficulties at home, the financial struggles, the sin that you cannot overcome, that you've battled with for years, seems to continually be there in your life, that at those moments that God is able to do great and amazing things. And so today, whether you are coming out of a personal attack, whether you are heading to an attack, whether you have been the reason of attack, that this morning I want to show you that God can work in the most difficult situations in your life. And so if you would pray with me, we're going to jump right in. Father, this morning I come thanking you for the wonderful time to worship you and to just listen to your church, sing your praises. Father, 
I come today, Lord, asking for forgiveness. You know me and my sins and my struggles and my weaknesses, Lord. You know me. So, Father, I pray that you would work through your messenger today, Lord, because you are the only one who can change hearts and lives. Lord, you're the only one that can preach to this congregation. And so, Father, I pray that your spirit, Lord, that he would begin to draw and work and move in the lives of these people. Lord, I pray to those people who are under conviction about the Lord's Supper and what it means to be saved. And today, Lord, would be that day. Today would be that day that that person that's saved would step out in faith and say, it's time for me to be baptized. It's time for me to change the way I'm living, Lord, whatever is necessary. Or today, Lord, that person that's hurting and broken, that you would carry them. Whatever needs to happen today, Lord, I pray that you would do it for your glory and your glory alone. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And so if you're familiar with what's going on here, David is fleeing for his life. David has went from a point where maybe King Saul would change his mind. Maybe Jonathan could make a difference in what's going on to finally realizing there is nothing earthly that can be done. It's time to flee the country. It's try to flee the government. It's tried to get away. And if you've watched the news any at all right now, you're probably familiar with what it looks like for a manhunt to be going on against someone. And if you've watched the news about them trying to find the young man that has uh, supposedly killed this young woman, it's on every channel, it's on every lip that you talk to, it's, it's captivated uh, us. And just think about this day before Fox News and CNN, but people have always been good at one thing. We're always really good at gossip. And so whether it is on the news or the radio, people would have known about what was going on in Israel. People would have known that David had uh, made the king mad, that the king had tried to kill him. And for whatever reason, David was going to be running. And so that's where we find ourselves today is David is probably at one of his lowest points. He has had to abandon his wife because she helped him be saved from death. He's had to leave his family. And if you've ever read anything about kingdoms in this day, that it was not uncommon for them not only to murder the person that they were after, but also their entire family. David has to leave not knowing if he's ever going to see his family again. He's ever going to see his wife again. He's left all of his possessions. He literally leaves with the clothes on his back, not knowing where he can go, what he can do. And that is where we find David this morning. And so this morning, I hope you'll take notes and you'll write this down. Difficult situations lead us to make difficult choices. This morning when I got up, my greatest choice was, is it going to be possible for me to find a pair of pants that still fit? right? That was the choice that I had. And most of my choices were not even a choice because my pants have mysteriously shrunk. And I don't know what happened, but it have shrunk. And then the decision was, well, should I wear a blue shirt and a tie? Is the tie going to fit around my neck and the multiple chins that I have? That, those were the decisions that I made this morning. Those were not serious decisions. They were not uh, decisions that had life or death consequences. And so it didn't really matter to me that much. But today I'm not talking about decisions that have no consequences or decisions that don't matter. I'm talking about decisions that affect your life, that affect your marriage, that affect your children, that affect you and the people that you love, and that could have consequences that could change your life. 
In those moments when the doctor calls and says it's cancer, when the phone call comes at one in the morning that your kid's been arrested, in that moment when you stand at work and they ask you this question, either you can have integrity and lose your job or you can lie and keep your job. There are so many times in our life when these decisions bring themselves to the forefront. And David is at that point in his life where he is in a difficult moment. And so I want you to read this with me this morning as we look at David's difficult decision. Now David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid when he met David and said to him, Why are you alone and no one is with you? And David said to Ahimelech, the priest, the king has ordered me on some business and said to me, do not let anyone know anything about the business on which I send you or what I have commanded you. And I have directed my young men to such and such a place. Now, therefore, what have you on hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand or whatever can be found. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have at least kept themselves from women, then David answered the priest and said to him, Truly, women have been kept from us about three days since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in effect common, even though it was consecrated in the vessel this day. So the priest gave him holy bread, for there was no bread there. But the showbread which had been taken from before the Lord in order to put hot bread in its place on the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doesh, an Edomite, the chief of the herdsmen who belonged to Saul. And David said to Ahimelech, Is there not here on hand a spear or sword? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me. Because the king's business required haste. So the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Allah, there it is, wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is no other except the one here. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. Now, if you're not very familiar with this story, you're probably starting to notice something. David's lying. David's lying about the fact that he has men with him. David's lying about the fact that he's on the king's business. And this morning I want to talk to you for just a moment about this. Because next week we're going to look at how even the sins that we don't think have consequences have consequences. You see, David being here eventually gets this man, Ahimelech, murdered. And this morning I want to talk to you because David could have done something. He could have came to this man and just told the truth. He could have said, I'm on the run from the king. We know that this man was suspicious of him. We know that eating the showbread was something that God had not given permission to. But yet Jesus teaches in the New Testament that it was not an issue because it was necessary. But I think the thing that amazes me about the Bible so much is this. If I'm David and I'm at the end of my life and this book is being written about my life. I'm probably going to tell them to strike the story that teaches that I lied and got someone murdered. I'm going to wipe that out of there. I'm not going to put my faults in this book. But yet it shows us that it is the Bible. 
You see, whether it was Moses' failures or Noah's failures or Elijah's failures or Peter's failures or Paul's failures, the good and the bad about people is throughout the Scriptures because it reminds us that we are all sinners, that the hero of the Bible is Jesus in Jesus alone. David's not the hero of the Bible. Paul's not the hero of the Bible. The Apostle John's not the hero of the Bible. Jesus is the hero of the Bible. And in your life, sometimes it's easy to think, well, I'm the man of my house. I'm the hero. No, Jesus is the hero of your house. You think, well, I'm the wife and I keep it all together. My husband, he, he, he might be the pants, but I'm the belt. Friends, Jesus is the key to your marriage. You say, well, I'm the CEO of a multi-million dollar company. If it wasn't for me, what would this company do? Look up here. Jesus is the only reason that you're blessed. And so this morning, I want you to know that because it's easy to think that in the good times. It's easy to think, well, I've done this on my own or I've accomplished so much or I'm thankful for what God has done for me. But when everything falls apart around you, when the sin that's in your life consumes you, when the people that you thought would never betray you, betray you, when the things that happen in your life that are unexplainable from a human perspective, and you start to ask yourself that question, what have I done to deserve this? How have I caused this? What is going on in my life? You need to be reminded of something, that God loved you in the good times and that God loves you in the valleys of your life. So we see here, though, that the Bible doesn't condone David's lie. But David was afraid. David was afraid not only that Ahimelech would turn him in, but he was afraid because he realizes something when he gets there. That one of Saul's most trusted servants is there. And he's worried. Have you noticed that once he noticed that one of Saul's allies is there, he asks for a notebook to write a note? No. He asks for a blanket and pillow so that he can sleep. No. He asks for a what? A sword. Because David doesn't know if he's going to have to defend himself. You see, David didn't even have food. He had no weapons. He had nothing. But I want to show you this morning, even in your most difficult of situations, you have to trust that God will provide. You have to be willing to be a person of integrity, no matter the cost. You have to be willing to take a stand, no matter the fallout. Now, I'm going to ask this question, and please don't raise your hands. But how many of you who are married have ever thought, you know what, I disagree with what we're getting ready to do, but I cannot go through another argument? How many of you that have children think, you know what, this is a battle I probably need to fight, but I just don't have the energy? Right? The first kid, you spank them and discipline them for everything. By the time you get to the sixth one, you're just glad that they're still alive. You're just wore out. And you try to be the same parent and you try to be the same strictness. But, I mean, goodness gracious, you got two that are pulling their hair and fighting on the table and shoving each other off. And you got these two that are here. And the, the last one's just like, you're God's gift. We're just so glad to have you. We're never going to get on to you. And that's why the babies of the family are usually what? Spoil, no, yeah, no baby spoke up there, did you? Mistreated, left out, didn't get to do anything. But this morning I want to show you something that David could have trusted God. David could have been taken care of by God. David could have not sinned in his right of lying and just trusted that God would provide. Because I want to show you something. David doesn't go from just telling people things that aren't true. 
I want to show you that he ends up going to acting about things that aren't true. And so difficult situations make us make difficult choices. But listen to what 2 Corinthians 4 says about those difficult moments of your life. But we have this treasure in earthly vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. When everything seems to be falling apart around you, when the pressure is on at work and at home and in your marriage, in those moments that you feel and think that I cannot make it on my own, I can't do it on my own, those are the moments that God can work in the greatest areas of your life. That's what Paul was saying. Everything in life is against us. All the things that Satan is throwing at us, we are under stress and persecution and difficulty. But God's power is on display. Second thing I want you to take notes this morning is this. Difficult situations lead us to make decisions in the flesh. You see, you're going to have to make decisions in difficult times. You see, I could have made a choice not to wear a tie instead of picking one. I could have made a decision not to wear a coat rather than wear a coat. But no matter what happened today, I had to wear pants. Right? That was a mandatory requirement. It had to happen. And in your life, amen. No one amens anything anymore except for that. Thank you, though. I appreciate it. But I want you to ask yourself something. When the doctor says you've got decisions to make, Make sure I got pants on. Had that dream where you got up in front of everybody and no one had pants on. But when you get that phone call from your doctor and they say, what are you going to do with this decision? You can't play it simple. When you get that call that your kid's struggling and things are falling apart for them, you can't do nothing. And so difficult decisions have to be made in each and every one of our lives. But many times those difficult situations to make us lead To have decisions in the flesh. And I want to read to you verses 10 through 15. In verses 10 through 15 it says. Then David arose and fled that day before Saul. And went to Achish in the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him. Is this not David the king of the land? Did they not sing of him to one another in dances saying. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now David took the words to heart. And was very much what? Afraid. Of Achish the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them. Pretended madness in their hands. Scratched at the doors of the gate. And let his saliva fall down on his beard. Then Achish said to his servants. Look you see the man is insane. Why have you brought him to me? Have I need of a madman. That you have brought this fellow to play. The madman in my presence. Shall this fellow come into my house? I do not believe there is anything sinful about David doing what he did to have his life spared. But what I can tell you this is, David became someone who he was not because he thought it would benefit who he was. And this is going to really hit close to home and this is where the first service went dead as a hammer. How many times does peer pressure cause us to become someone that we're not to get something that we think we want 
How many times have you sit around the break table at work knowing that you shouldn't laugh at the dirty jokes? You shouldn't gawk at the beautiful woman like the other men that you sit with. But in that setting, what happens? Peer pressure. Temptation. You know that things aren't good at home. Things aren't good in your marriage. But yet you keep ignoring them. You keep doing what you're doing regardless if you know that the consequence could be something bad. But yet on Sunday morning when everybody gets to church, you get out of the van smiling, holding your hands. We have cameras in the parking lot, by the way. So when you are threatening to punch people in your car, we see it, okay? But how many times has that happened? How many times have you seen people fake emotion to get what they wanted? Crocodile tears that you know probably weren't genuine. You see, what we see here is David doesn't trust that God could make a way for him with the Philistines. And why would David be afraid of the Philistines? Did you not hear the song they were singing? Saul killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. If I'm David, I'm sick of that song, by the way. But you know who many of the tens of thousands of people he killed were? Were the Philistines. If there was a group of people that should have wanted David dead, it was them. If there was a group of people that would have wanted a all-by-himself David, who was vulnerable and alone, it would have been them. And so this morning, I don't think that David did anything sinful here, but I do think that he should have trusted God. You see, God can take people that are supposed to hate you and soften their hearts and work in your life. God can take relationships that seem to be broken and beyond repair and bring restoration. There are some of you today that even though you live in the same house, do not view yourself as any more married than two roommates. You say, that, Jake, that's just the way it is. We'll get the kids raised, we'll split everything, we'll go our separate ways, and that'll, that'll be the best option for us. Look up here. That's not the option God wants for you. That's, I appreciate that, by the way. God wants to restore the joy of your marriage. You say, Jake, if you knew the lady I lived with, there ain't no joy in that house. Trust me, I know the man that my wife lives. There's not much joy in our house. But friends, I'm telling you, God can restore that relationship. Today, if you and your spouse will come before God and say, Lord, I know that things haven't been easy. Lord, I know things haven't been good. But God, help us to love each other and to care about each other and to, and to love you because what God has put together, let tear asunder. You're saying, Jake, I, I don't have a relationship with my grown children. Or maybe you're saying, I don't have a good relationship with my parents. And, and I don't have a good relationship with these people. And it's all broken. And you say, Jake, there's nothing that can be restored. God can restore relationships that you have given up on. God can do things in situations that you and I have given up on. And many of us have already called it quits. Now, we might not be acting like a crazy person. We might not be drooling all over ourselves and scratching the walls, but we're as two-faced as can be. Oh, yes, I'll be nice to them, but I'll never let them close to me. I'll speak to them at church, but I'll never pray for them. Oh, yes, I'll sit by them at the ball game, but I'll never care about them. You see, Proverbs, the third chapter, says it like this in verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all all your ways acknowledge him 
and he shall direct your paths. That means in every area of your life, you have to trust and acknowledge that God knows what's best. I know what's best for me at work. God knows that. God knows what's best for me at home. God knows what's best for my sin problem. God knows what's best at church. So the question I ask you today is, what difficult decisions have caused you to make decisions in the flesh? And third and final thing, and this is actually the good part. This is where there is hope. Difficult situations allow God the opportunity to provide. The difficult moments of your life is where God can work the greatest. Let's look here in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 22. David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men with him. Then David went down from Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and mother come here with you till I know what God will do for me. So he brought them before the king of Moab and they dwelt with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Now the prophet Gad said to David, Do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. You see, I want to show you this, that God provided in a miraculous way. You see, when David fled, he didn't know what would happen to his family. But yet God made a place for his family to come and be safe. But what I love about this story more than anything is the people that God brings to David's aid. It doesn't say that the military captains joined David's army. It doesn't even say that David was looking for an army. It doesn't even say that David was out trying to drum up support for his cause. David was in a cave. But yet God knew exactly what he needed and sent it to him. You see, he didn't even send the most educated religious people. It doesn't even say that he sent the most wealthy and the famous. I want you to see who God sent him. Here in verse 2. And everyone who was in distress. That means the people who were sick and tired of being sick and tired of Saul. They were sick and tired of the government. They were sick and tired of everything. They were the people that probably complained and griped and moaned and caused division. And David gets sent those. If I'm David and I see them walking up, I'm probably thinking, boy, I hope they go to the Methodist church down the street. Or I hope they go join the Moabs. Or they go join with the Philistines. Yet God sent them to him. Everyone who is in debt. These aren't even people that can help fund his army. Buy stuff to help him. They can't even buy bread because why? They're not even trustworthy enough to pay back their debt. And so you start seeing this theme of who God is sending to David. But not only that, look what it goes on to say in verse 2. It says, and everyone who was discontent gathered to him. You say, Jake, these were just about the misfits of the misfits. But I want to show you something. God is no respecter of persons. And there was another man who walked this earth. Who God sent the people that the world said didn't matter. In Luke 15, I want to share this with you this morning. 
In Luke 15, starting in verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him. And who is him? Jesus. To hear him. The people that the world said didn't matter. The people that the world hated. The, the people that the world gossiped about. The people that the world said were worse than worse. And look what it says in verse 2 of chapter 15. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. You see, friends, you have no idea when God brings someone into your life, no matter how broken they are, no matter how bad their past is, no matter how bad their reputation is now, what God might do with them in the future. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus died for me, even though he knew me. I'm glad that even after I'm saved, that Jesus doesn't throw me away when I fail him. I am thankful that when Jesus sees me, one, I am covered by his blood. And the Bible says that it can wash my sin as white as you might think I'm dirty. You might think I have no value. You might think I'm the same heathen I've always been. But Jesus sees me as forgiven. And Jesus sees me as born again. And Jesus knows that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And friends, I want you to look up here. If you're saved, that's how he views you. The world might say different things about you. People might talk bad about you. But the only one who has any say that matters is Jesus. That's why he is the king of kings and Lord of lords. Because what he says goes. And my Bible says that if you will confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. And you see, that's who David is. A man after God's own heart. David had acted like a crazy person. David had lied, but yet God did not abandon David. You see, so many times we think that if we failed God, that God's going to give up on us. Well, Jake, I lost my temper at work. I, I've not always been the Christian I should have been. Uh, Jake, I've really made a mess of things, and, and so I'm sure God's abandoned me. No, he hasn't. The Bible tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so this morning, regardless if you have given up on you, the people that love you have given up on you, the situations around you seem to be going against you, God has not forsaken you. And today, if you'll come to Him and ask forgiveness and ask for salvation and ask for hope, He will deliver you. You say, Jake, I don't know if I'd have built an army with the same people that David did. You're right. I wouldn't have either. But it is because God knows best. And so friends as a church. I want to remind you. That who God sends us. We better love. That's alright. I'm going to say that one again. No matter who God sends us. We better love them. Because you never know how many Sundays it might take
for that individual that sits there on the pew, that doesn't want to be in church, that hates the things of God, that makes life miserable, that works with you and makes you miserable. How many weeks it just might take for God to convict them and draw them and save them from their sins. You have no idea how God might want to use that person that you hate more than anybody in the whole world to save and change and use for his glory. And so this morning, I want you to see that God provided for David even before David knew his need. David wasn't planning an insurrection. David wasn't planning a war. But yet God provided what he needed. And so this morning, when difficult situations come, know that you have to make difficult choices, whether to follow God and obey him and serve him or not. You have to know that difficult situations will lead you if you're not careful to act in the flesh. But you need to remember something, even when you seem to hit rock bottom. It's in those moments that God can do amazing things in your life. He can forgive and work and move. Even when it doesn't seem possible. And so this morning I'm going to ask that you bow your heads with me. And as Jamie and Janice come. I'm going to ask you a first and foremost question. Today do you know. That you're a child of God. You say Jake I've been baptized. Jake I've taken the Lord's Supper. I've been through all the classes. That's not what I asked you this morning. Have you been born again? You say, Jake, I recited a prayer when I was a little kid. That's not what I asked you. I asked you, have you been born again? Today, do you know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life? And you say, Jake, what if I'm not sure? Look at the evidence in your life. Is there any peace, joy, love, long-suffering? Is there any of the fruit of the Spirit there? Because when you got saved, the Spirit came and lived within you. This morning, I want you to know that if you're not sure or if you don't know, if you're here today and you say, Jake, I'm lost. Today, God can save you from your sins. That's why I died to seek and save that which was lost. And so, as the old song goes, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Today, he knew you and died for you because he loves you. And he will save you no matter where you've been or what you've done. But Christian, maybe you're here today and you're saying, Jake, man, I've made a mess of things. My life's a mess. My home's a mess. My marriage is a mess. Church is a mess. And guess what? God's big enough to handle those things too. If you'll just come, trust him. And so when we have a time of invitation like we're getting ready to have, it's for you and God to do business. It's not for you and me to do business. It's not for you and your neighbor to do business. It's for you to say, God, here I am. You know my needs. And you know what is necessary. And so my question is not, will God do business with you today? Because he will. The question is, will you let him? Will you let him make a difference in your life today? Father, I thank you for this group of people. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would begin to work and move. God, that you would do great things in this church this morning for your glory and your glory alone. And Lord, I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, 
Maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.